Last question, I'll do this one really quick. How do you convince someone, these are totally random questions, they're not connected to each other at all, but this is a good one. How do you convince someone who doesn't care to be a Christian? They respond to God as, oh, cool, there's a space guy who loves me. Good for him, I don't care. Have you ever dealt with someone like that? Like you witness to someone, they're just like, whatever. Like, have you ever, do any of you guys have friends who just don't seem to care about Christianity whatsoever? Yeah, so how do you witness to somebody like that? Well, when I talk to people like that, they can be extremely difficult to talk to. Like, even if you already have like all your apologetics answers, and if you don't know what apologetics are, apologetics are awesome. That's the study of why you believe what you believe. If you're here and you're like, I have no idea why I believe what I believe. Like, why do I believe it? Look up apologetics. Like YouTube has so many rad videos. You can learn so much that gives you evidence for why you believe what you believe. But you can totally have your answers together and there's people who just don't care. I wanna read you guys a verse. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Basically, yeah, Christianity's stupid to people who don't understand it, but if you get it and you understand it, then you know it's the meaning of life. You know, here's what, this is actually, this is something really funny to think about. Like, I've been really quick in my life to make fun of Mormons. If you have been Mormon in your life at some point, I apologize if I've ever made fun of you, but like, I've been quick to make fun of them because in their, or in their religion, it's taught, you know, when they die, they become gods and they get their own planet and their wives are pregnant forever making spirit babies. So girls, if you're a Mormon, that's what you have to look forward to. Eternal pregnancy, popping out spirit babies forever and ever. But think about it. Think about this. Think about this. So we can like make fun of Mormons, which I just did. Um, but think about how crazy our faith sounds to somebody who's never heard it. Like seriously, think about how crazy. Like, yeah, in the, in the beginning, there's this space guy named God. And then he made this garden, he put some naked people in it. And then this talking snake cruised up and he's like, eat this piece of fruit. And then there was this giant flood, but all the animals got on one boat, so they're totally cool. And then eventually God, who's also his son, sends his son down to the earth and dies for everybody. And if you believe in him, you can go off to a far off place named heaven and you just gotta drink his blood and eat his body and it's all good. Like, doesn't that sound insane if you've never heard it? It's like, what, what? <laughs> What is that? That's, that's what we're talking about. First Timothy 1.18, the message of the cross sounds crazy to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. This is why you guys need to wrestle with your faith. Listen, that stuff sounds crazy. I mean, you guys have grown up in it. Here's the reality. If you guys grew up in a church where they taught that like one day we go to unicorn land and like fly on candy canes, like, into, like you would believe that up until a certain point. Like you'd get to like by the age of like 13, you're like, I'm not so sure about this unicorn God thing. So you guys, have, most of you guys have grown up in the church and you've been fed this stuff. Maybe you're at a point where you're starting to question it and you're starting to wonder like, like the heck, like is this stuff even real? Because I look around in reality and I don't see angels and floods and demons. So maybe you're at that point. I've been at that point. That's why I study my faith. That's why I looked into it. That's why I studied and I spent time pouring over it and learning apologetics. And listen, apologetics has shown me that of all, out of all the things you can believe, and listen, you have to believe something. For me, the belief that we're just random chance 
has the least amount of evidence. The belief that this world just exploded out of nothing, that makes no sense to me. That makes no common sense to me. And I'm not someone who ignores science. I'm not someone who just says, oh, I don't believe in science. I only believe in God. I am not that guy. I believe that God invented science. So you have to believe something. For me, the story of Christianity and God has the most logic, evidence, and truth of any of the faiths I've ever seen in my life. And I am now, at 27 years old, more confident that it's true than I've ever been in my life. But that doesn't mean I don't have questions. That's why we're doing this series. So for you, I encourage you guys steady your faith. But the question is, what do you do with an apathetic non-believer? Well, the first thing is ask them, why don't you seem to care about the afterlife? Like, why don't you seem to care about where we go when we die? Because the reality is, if someone says they don't care, I mean, really, if a spaceman came down in a spaceship and handed them a book called The Meaning of Life, there's no way they'd just be like, meh. No, they would care, absolutely. So it's not that they, it's not that they don't believe in the possibility of God, or it's not that they don't believe, it's just that they, they really don't care about the possibility of God. You need to show them that the possibility of God is a big one. For me, I go to creation, I look at patterns. So like, I'll be like, hey, check out my iPad. Like, you would agree someone made this, right? This is a severely advanced piece of machinery. If I were to tell you that over millions of years, some microchips like swam out of the sand seas and like formed together in this iPad over million, you'd be like, no, you're stupid. Like Steve Jobs made that iPad and then Tim Cook. So you look at a car and it's like, the heck? Like if I told you this car, like one day there was a wheel and then another wheel and then like two other wheels and then an engine and they just kind of like smashed together and made this crazy, like, like Christian Notosh's car. Like if someone told you, like that thing's a piece of work. If someone told you that thing just exploded out of nothingness, you'd be like, you are stupid. Like you are literally stupid. There's no way. So I, I look and, and I look at the ocean and it's super intricate lunar moon wave patterns where like the gravitational pull of like, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but, but you know what I mean? Like the moon controls the waves. I, my science is terrible there, but you know what I'm talking about? It's intricate, it's designed. Do you ever see patterns of chaos creating functional designs? Do you ever like take buckets of screws and just chuck them in the air? It's like, oh, I created a robot. Do you ever take paint and just throw it in a canvas? And you're like, whoa, Mona Lisa, how did that happen? Like, I just threw some paint. It's Mona Lisa. No. So that's something I go to. And I'm like, look, there's never patterns of nothingness creating somethingness. There's never patterns of chaos creating order. There's always a pattern of design. So I take them to that. So you can go there. If they continue in their apathy, if they're just like, I don't care. Here's what you do. Here's the answer to the question. Be the best friend possible to that person. I think some of you guys here have friends who are struggling and they're like, I don't know if I believe or maybe they've completely rejected Christianity. Maybe they once believed and now they don't and they're like, that stuff's just a bunch of nonsense and you're stupid for going to church. Maybe there's people who have never believed and they're not gonna start anytime soon. You be the best friend possible. You bend over backwards to show them love, to show them care and to build trust in their life because listen, they live in a broken world. And life in a broken world and a corrupted world tends to raise questions. Like, why did they die? Why did they get sick? Why did this evil thing happen in the world? And when those questions come up to that person who doesn't believe, when they start to think critically, the person they're gonna come to with their questions is the person who showed them the most love. 
Not the person who tried to witness to him once and was like, I can't get through to you. Forget you, I'm not gonna be your friend. I only wanna be friends with Christians. Not that person. Not the person who gets frustrated with them because they won't believe. The person who is patient with them and love them. They're gonna go to you for answers. And the main key that I have for you today is just do it. Just go out and share the good news because you never know what God can do with the seed of truth planted in somebody. I wanna just, uh, to finish, play you guys a video from a guy named Derwin Gray, who is a NFL player. And um, he has a great story of how he wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and he just didn't care. He came from a Jehovah Witness, uh, kind of Mormon background, and he just didn't want anything really to do with Jesus. He just wanted to play football. Football was his God. And somebody introduced him to Jesus, and it's a great story. So I'm gonna play that, and then we'll be done. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I was primarily raised by my grandmother, my mom and dad, I love them. But they had issues that they were working through. And so in my neighborhood, the way things worked was uh, nobody got married, um, jobs were tough, drugs and alcohol was everywhere. So by age 13, I recognized that my way out was football. Now you gotta understand, growing up in Texas, football was like a religion. We started early, I'm talking about eight, nine months old. Football was my God, and it was my God because it defined who I was and where I wanted to go and what gave me purpose in, in life. And on April 25th, 1993, I got drafted by the Colts in the fourth round. And that's like football mecca, the NFL. My rookie year, 1993, there was a guy on the team who, uh, he was different. And what he would do every day after practice, he was, Six foot two, 240 pounds, African-American guy. He would take a shower, dry off, and wrap a towel around his waist, and then he'd walk through the locker room asking my teammates, do they know Jesus? In my mind, I'm thinking, why are you asking people, do you know Jesus? And I'm like, do you know you're half naked? And so his nickname was the Naked Preacher. That's what the veterans on the team said. So I tried to avoid the Naked Preacher at all costs. I didn't want nothing to do with his nakedness or the Jesus he was talking about. But one day I'm sitting in my locker and I feel a tap at my back and I turn around and it's the Naked Preacher. And he asked me a question that changed my life. He said, uh, and this is the way he talked. He said, uh, Rookie D. Gray. Do you know Jesus? And I knew it was a religious question, but I didn't really know what to say. And so I said, I'm a good person. And he said, I want to read to you Romans 3.23. So with my unchurched background, I'm going Romans 3.23. What are these like Spartan gladiators or something? So anyway, he begins to read it and it says, we've all sinned and fall short of God's standard. I wasn't for sure what sin meant. So I was like, uh, naked man, what are you saying here? That my comparison of what's good and a bad person is with God and not others? He goes, yeah. I says, well, God's perfect, right? He goes, yeah. I said, well, if God's perfect, I'm not. What can I do to make it up? He says, you can't do anything. I said, thank you, man. Hold on a second. You're telling me I can't do anything? He goes, right. I says, well, I'm in trouble. He goes, now you're starting to get it. Chill out, rookie D. Gray. Let me explain. He said, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says this. According to scripture, Jesus died, was buried, and raised on the third day for your sins. And I was like, I had never heard that. That's when I had my born again experience. I realized that the living God of the universe loved me. 
Now you gotta understand, that was huge for me because I had never heard another man in my life say, Derwin, son, I love you. Now I was realizing that the God of the universe loved me so much that he came into time and space in the person of Jesus Christ. Before I became a follower of Christ, I hated to read. The only thing I read was the playbook, but now I realized there was a better and more effective playbook called the Bible. I knew that if I studied the playbook and obeyed what the coach said, I could play good in the game. If I play good in the game, I help my teammates, I help my teammates, we win the game. As a young Christ follower, it just made sense to go, okay, here's God's playbook. As I study it and obey it, I become a better husband, I become a better father, I become better at all that I do. And so I recognized that I just wasn't reading a Bible about information, but about transformation. As the Word of God begins to be wallpapered in our minds, the love of God begins to overflow in our hearts that leads to the obedience of the Word of God where we serve. And so what happens is obedience isn't a burden. Obedience is the outflow of the transformative Word of God, which empowers us by God's love. So it's super cool, and he's a guy who is now a pastor of a church and has helped many people find Jesus. And I just want to encourage you guys, especially with that last question, because I feel like that comes from a genuine place of frustration from someone here. And maybe you guys feel that way. It's like, why even bother? Why even try when people in my life just don't seem to care about Christ? Many of us, if, if you grew up and if you went to a Christian school like I did, which is most of you guys here, we forget that there's so many people out there who have never actually heard the gospel. There's so, like, it sounds crazy in America because everyone says they're Christian in America, but there's so many people here who have never heard the full story of Jesus Christ, the simple gospel. I really want to encourage you guys, even maybe this week, share it with somebody at your school who just, just go to school and show up and say, God, what do you have for me this week? Is there someone I can reach out to? Is there someone I can tell the gospel message to? And you have no idea that you might change that person's life forever. You might lead someone to Christ who might start a church and lead other people to Christ. You could literally like lead the next Billy Graham to the Lord. Think about it. You could. You guys have the potential.